right, welcome, welcome, guys. We're here with Erin McPherson, and she is someone who has become a really close friend over the last uh, couple of weeks. She is the, you know, Erin, I don't even know your your official role. I should I should know this, but she is the head of the media network at Scalable. She runs all of the podcasts and all the media entities, and she's someone who has had a career monetizing media and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is how to monetize your content and more specifically your podcast and she oversees um three podcasts uh currently and we're about to launch another one and i say we because over the last couple of weeks i have come on and helped to do a lot of things with the the podcast at scalable and so i've been really excited about that but i couldn't we needed a guest for this week and i couldn't think of a better person to kind of fill in and talk um she's so knowledgeable about the topic she's she's so fun so i know you guys are going to enjoy it and um i know she has a lot of experience so all that to say aaron thank you uh, so much for spending some time with us i am really excited to be here and that was quite the introduction but we are so excited with what you have done on our podcast and to see what happens in the future and i'm excited about this podcast to talk to you i love media and i love monetization and i love advertising and how they can grow together so it's kind of I'm nerdy about it. Well, I don't know for those of you guys who just saw, um, but I think Aaron and, and I are both kind of like uh, culture media geeks, if you will. We we kind of share this this weird fascination of, with Kim Kardashian, and we can kind of talk about that why that later. Um, but Reese Witherspoon just sold her media company for nine hundred million dollars, and so like that is crazy. That's crazy, and she started it, you know. I don't know, in the last 10 years or so, I don't know, I don't know what the, the, the exact date it was, but, you know, she was making movies for Netflix and like to think about that and what she's doing is she's creating content, obviously at a, at a really high level. And that's the value that people are seeing in it is, you know, almost a billion dollar exit for. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But I've, I've seen that happen multiple times and, you know, I was, I worked back in 2004 for Nickelodeon, for MTV Studios. And at that point, they had hired a group of people to be mommy bloggers, basically. And I had like a newborn and I was blogging about changing diapers and all of those things. And I watched my coworkers at that place build their own little media brands. And these were like mommy bloggers, like moms who stayed home and made their kids grilled cheese and then did this on the side. And I watched them again and again make huge amounts of money from these like media platforms that they created. Um, and like, if I named names, you would probably know them and maybe I will, maybe we can tell stories, but um, yeah, like Reese Witherspoon, of course, $600 million, but you know, any mom or dad or person off the street who builds content well can sell their property for a lot. Yeah. They're so, um, there's so many examples. I'd love for you to share any that you've, you know, seen or come in contact with. What I'd, what I'd love to know is to hear about your evolution to podcasts um, and kind of, you know, I know you started at Nickelodeon Writing and what that that journey has been like because I know you've, you've been a, a, a career, you know, you've had a career in media. So give us the 60-second, the you know, snapshot version of where you stopped along the way and how you got to, you know, running a, okay. a network of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, the 60-second, this might be hard, but um. I did work at Nickelodeon. I worked on their um, mom content and newsletters, and I worked with a group of mommy bloggers. And um, we created a whole bunch of really cool things. And I'll, we can talk more about how those spun off. And while I was working there, I actually got a call from a publisher asking me to write a book. 
about parenting and I ended up writing that book, which then sold along with a series. And once I had written probably my sixth or seventh book, my publisher said, you have to start podcasting about your books. And I was like, I don't know how, and I can hardly hook up a microphone. And um, still, still, I had to have help today. And at that point, I was literally recording in my bedroom with like a little microphone that hooked over my ear. But my co-author and I recorded a podcast for probably five years and um, in our little niche book market. And from there, I kind of got interested in podcasting in addition to writing. And so the last few years, I've just been really focused on all media. I love the idea of like content, written content, design content, podcast content, video content, all working together to like kind of build this like image and this brand and to give people really cool things to learn about. Yeah. I'd love for you to talk about um, one... It happened, I think you kind of mentioned it in this Kim Kardashian story. So let's just go to it because I think that you uh, you kind of encapsulated it a lot in there. But one of the things that you mentioned was talking about how Nickelodeon was monetizing their their content and you know how they were using these blogs to be able to make money. What's what was your epiphany or, or what kind of happened that you know kind of gave you this aha moment that people were able to create a business from valuable content? Yeah, that's actually a really interesting story. Um, So I started working at Nickelodeon in 2004. And at that point, blogs were just breaking onto the market. And we were literally writing about our kids and the bloggers and I. And Nickelodeon would then put just like flashy Las Vegas ads all over the website. So it'd be all over the place. You know, the ads that you all remember. And um, I remember I would fly to New York. I lived in Austin and I'd fly to New York maybe twice a year. And we would kind of meet with some of the sponsors and talk about the type of content. And I remember our sales rep saying she was meeting with Ragu Spaghetti Sauce. And she said Ragu was going to renew. They had probably, I want to say it was like a $200,000 ad budget with us, which at the time was huge. It's still pretty huge to me, but at the time they were like one of our biggest customers. And so basically they would put Ragu ads all over our, our content. And one of the executives at Ragu said, um, Hey, what about like, people who are doing like recipes and all these other things on their blogs, um, wouldn't that be better? And um, I remember us kind of thinking, no, ads are going to be better. That's what people do. That's what they pay for. They don't pay for recipes, but we decided to kind of test it out. And what we were doing is we were basically like, what, how many ways can you use ragu in your daily life? And so I was making ragu spaghetti and recipes and lasagnas and all those things, but also using the jars and using the lids for crafts and using the jars to make dish, you know, bubbles and all of these things. And not surprisingly to us now, but in 2006, when this all happened, we were shocked that the recipes and the jars and all of that converted and people stopped clicking on the ads. And so there was this like huge transition on the internet where we went from writing content with ads to creating content with products. And um, it kind of evolved to this place where I want to say it was like 2009, 2010. I was pregnant with my third and I was getting like 500 packages a day in the mail from all these companies who just wanted me to write about their product in a like organic way. And they'd be like, try my stroller, try my baby bag. And I literally had like 15 strollers and like the really expensive ones because all everyone wanted me to do was like, I went on a walk and here's my stroller and, you know, and it just became this like 
huge shift from advertising to content. And I just like went on and on and on about that. But that was kind of how content you're, marketing. You're the earliest on. influencer. When it, you were. A, you were. Yeah. And like I said, the other bloggers that were host moms with me went on to do the same thing. And um, one of them went off and started creating um, YouTube videos with music as being a mom and has become a huge YouTube influencer who makes, I mean, sponsors will pay her six figures to just like mention their product in one of her videos. And one of the other bloggers went off to create her own media site that was then sold and is scary mommy. And um, again, like I remember sitting at a table with her and she's being like, I'm scary mommy. Cause my kids are scared of my grilled cheese. And all of a sudden it's this like massive media empire. Cause we just were learning all of this right as it all kind of came out. Yeah. What do you think? were some things that made that that happen and if you could give you know someone our goal in creating the show was really to fill in the the post-launch um support there's a lot of how to start your podcast there's a lot of how to launch a podcast but there's very little in how to have a successful and sustainable podcast and so that's where we kind of find is talking to that person who is is post-launch and Maybe they've had the expect, you know, ha- had the results that they want. Maybe they haven't, but that's kind of the the place where they're at. And so, my question to you is: In looking back at that, what were some things that made it possible for for that to happen? You know, what were whether it's timing or qualities th- that they had, and and how how does that? It, what's still possible today? Like, what's still relevant for you know for a podcaster or a blogger or a vlogger that's listening today? Yeah. I think my big takeaway back then and still today is authenticity. Um, We talked about Kim Kardashian and how she has been able to sell like her Skechers shoes. They, she's sold like millions and millions of dollars by endorsing them, but her endorsing them, if she didn't really like believe in them or like them would have really done nothing good. And so any podcaster who has launched their podcast if you're forcing it and you're trying to talk about things that you aren't really passionate about and you don't really care about, your listeners can tell. But if there's something that you truly love, whether it's a product or an idea or just something that you really care about, like your listeners are going to understand that and that's how you sell. And um, I just think like it's really important to be talking about things you love. And so like when I was talking about all these all this parenting gear and my babies were little, like I always failed when I tried to talk about the stroller that I didn't really like. It was the stroller that I was in love with that I used all the time. And I threw into the back of my trunk and picked that's the one that I could really make a big difference with in with content because people could tell. Yeah. You have to believe in it. And that's something that we are, I don't want to say running into because that's a weird phrase to use. I don't know if I'd say running into, but that we are, um, it's a challenge that podcasters have when they get into the place where they're, now endorsing products, right? There's there's a, a kind of a, a spectrum of how effective um, a host can be. And there was recently, you know, one company that wasn't all about, you know, get, getting the host on board and <clears throat> was making it maybe a little more difficult for the host to be on board and how that impacts their ability to, you know, get listeners to, to actually convert. So, what 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 do you think is important between a brand, you know, whether it be a media and and the the media entity, you know, whether it's podcasts or blogs or something like that? You talked about kind of that authenticity. Is there anything else that you think comes into play when someone is trying to, you know, monetize their 
their content? Yeah. Um, I think both sides should feel like they're getting the better end of the deal. And so as a media creator, you should be like so excited that you're being sponsored by X company or that you're getting to use X product. And likewise, if they're the company, they should be so excited that they get to be talked about by you. And if you aren't feeling that excitement, um, then it's not a good fit. Um, I also just like... Are, are there? Can you think of examples? Like everyone loves the train wreck story, right? Like are there any train wreck stories that you can think of in your in your career or just times where it didn't work out? And I don't know how much, how many names or brands you have to actually name. But can you think of times where that didn't, didn't necessarily fit and, and what played out after that? I'm like laughing because I can think of so many. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of which ones I haven't like signed non-competes with. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think there's just this like, um, well, here's here's an example. And this is one where it's not necessarily the product, but um, we, one of my old clients was Elmer's Glue. And um, we literally had, they did a, a campaign to sell glue. And the idea was of course like, let the kids make all the slime and the kids were making so much slime and the kids loved it because what kid doesn't love slime. And so like these ads sold so well and these videos and all of this content did so well because every single person involved was just like so excited, except for maybe the moms who had to clean up the slime and me who had to make so much slime. But then they came back and they said, we're going to do a little bit more educational and we're going to do like all math and science related projects using glue, but no slime and everything has to be very educational And as you can imagine, the children were not near as happy about it. And that campaign didn't do quite as well and not near as much glue was sold. And so I think it's important to like know your audience well enough to know and also to just understand the products and the things you're talking about um, so that people can get really excited about it and kind of imagine themselves doing it. And if you don't think your audience is going to imagine themselves using slash participating, it's probably not a good fit. Yeah, that's. I think, uh, well, I can understand someone, someone going that way. Right. Especially, you know, in a corporate, more corporate setting where, you know, like we can't, you know, where does it stop? Where, where do we let these kids, you know, uh, do we keep letting them do this, you know, go off this direction or they have an idea of who and why their customers are, are, are buying and it not actually matching or aligning with reality. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's something we talk, I've, I've talked about a lot on this show is um, either knowing what your audience wants or <clears throat> the worst place that you can be is not knowing what they want and then thinking that they actually want something else and continuing to give them something they don't want. And then right. you end up you know, driving your audience away. Right. They don't want to uh, hear it. I guess the worst place you could be would be, I just thought of another example, would be um, knowing what your audience wants and intentionally not giving it to them. And um, that could be bad too. But either way, yes, you have to know what your audience is wanting and they're going to keep coming back. And there are certain podcasts that I come to every single day. Like, please say they posted new content because I'm like, I got to have this. And there's others I'm like, I'm over it. So. Yeah. What are, we're about to launch a new show and I think everyone involved is pretty excited about that. And in your head, you have some, you've some things, uh, kind of a, a game plan, if you will, or a blueprint. You've said, you know, let us let us do this, and then we'll talk about monetizing it, and we'll talk about getting sponsors, or you know, having you know, there are already people, businesses that are, are interested and and willing to be a sponsor. But you have a certain amount of be- benchmarks or a certain amount of things in, that you know you want to accomplish, 
or that you found to be successful before flipping on that monetization switch? What are, are some of those things that people want to do before they, they start thinking about um, you know, getting sponsors or monetizing or kind of going that yeah. route? Which is a good question because we're in an interesting situation where our other podcasts have been so well that we could get a sponsor before we've had a single download. And um, not a lot of people are there. Um, but a lot of times people can be way beyond that and not have a ton of downloads and no sponsors. So I'll answer the, the first question is, is you want to obviously have enough downloads to where people are willing to pay to sponsor it. But I also think you need to have enough content and enough established like direction to where having a sponsor doesn't feel like a surprise to the listener because you want the sponsor to feel like a natural part of your podcast. You want them to be like, oh, you know, that makes sense that that podcast is talking about that product because it fits perfectly. And if any time it's going to jolt your audience, it suddenly um, is not a good fit. So an example is, is I, I love the Office Ladies podcast and um, they're always talking about their little food and their wine and their books and all these things. And then the other day they were advertising for Michelob Light. And I was like, they don't drink Michelob Light. And like, maybe they do. But in my mind, I was like, that doesn't fit at all. And it was like jolting to me. And I was like, why would they sponsor that? Because it's not a good fit. And so I think if you're trying to monetize or start monetizing, you have to have enough content in the hopper that is establishing what you are and who you stand for and what you believe in and what your audience can expect to you to where the ad won't feel surprising. And then just go find an advertiser. Yeah, that's really simple, actually. That's actually a really simple way. I was I was thinking it was going to be a lot more complex or there was going to be numbers involved or, you know, but... I mean, my number is 5,000 a month is kind of my general number, but I would sell an ad to a podcast that had 1,000, for example. I'm not going to set us that number. Um, if it was like a really niche audience and we knew exactly what they had and it was a perfect fit. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, what else, <clears throat> Aaron, do you think... Isn't, excuse me, I don't know where my voice went. What else do you think is important when it comes to working with sponsors? I think it's it's something that, frankly, a lot of podcasters are are new to. And, you know, I was just talking to a host who she's at, she could have, it could have been a misspoke, but she was at 175,000 downloads um, per episode. Um, wow. Wow or per month, or I don't remember what, what time period it was. It was 175,000. So regardless, that's what she was pulling in on a consistent basis. And she has no sponsors and she's doing it all by herself. And she doesn't even, you know, I, so um, I think that there is a, a, maybe a lot of fear or a lack of knowledge or know-how. So let's start with how does one get, like, how does one get started working with, you know, these types of companies? And then we can kind of go into, you know, what are some, some good ways to actually work with them. Yeah. Um, I do think you're right. The biggest roadblock is people not knowing where to start getting monetization. And I've always worked for big companies who have those connections and I'm able to, you know, you're able to easily get sponsors, but the flip side is, is if you're doing a personal podcast or it's small or it's big, but you don't have those sponsors, you don't even know where to start. And so usually if that were the case, I would, um, I would, well, you have two choices. One, you can talk to other people in the industry who have monetized it and try to get some information, or you can go with some sort of an agency or entity that does it. So Advertise Cast is one that does it. And I like Advertise Cast in some ways in that um, you kind of put in your stuff and they will find you a sponsor and they'll send it to you. 
What I don't like as much is that they kind of like set their prices and they'll be like, hey, we're willing to pay this amount for it. And you can choose to take it or leave it. And I think a lot of times um, they undercut. But if you're looking straight up to just get advertising, it's a way to do it. Um, Another opportunity is something that we're actually launching in the next couple months is um, some sort of a podcast um, agency. We're going to be doing one of these where essentially, because our sales team, like I said, we have more sponsors than we can put on our ads. Like we're turning sponsors away. So what we would like to do is we'd like to pull in some other podcasts that like the one you were just talking about where somebody has a whole lot of listeners, but they've never been able to monetize. And basically with a revenue share, our sales reps who are love to sell and know, have all the connections will sell the ads. And then there'll be a revenue share where the media creator can focus on their media, which is what they're good at. And we can do the selling and it works for both. So those are some options. Or just hit the pavement and start emailing companies. And a lot of times, at the very least, they're going to start by selling you um, so many ads I've sold. These are like personal things, like when I've done things for my books, have been companies sending me a product and me talking about it. And then when it works the first time, then in the future, they're willing to pay for it. Yeah, sometimes you have to go, um, yeah, there's a, a, a step to it, right? A, a lot of times it, it's it's proving, you know, kind of proving a little bit that you have um, some worth. And I, I also like the idea that you kind of hinted at, which is starting with the companies that are already doing podcast advertising. I think what's what's nice about those is that you mentioned that they're a lot of times looking for other shows to be able to advertise on because the amount that are, are, are doing advertising, doing advertising well, and then doing it to a sizable enough audience where it's you know worth it is they're, they're all, you know, there's more demand than there is supply there. So yeah. if, especially if, right if now, podcast ads are, I mean, podcasts are exploding. Every single time I sell an ad, the company comes back and they're like, that did way better than I expected it to. So there are companies out there who want to advertise on good podcasts. Yeah, that's, um, and, and more and more businesses are coming around to the effectiveness of it where you're not having to, to convince them or it's not a, an obscene or weird kind of thing. Um, and so it's a it's it's a it's a good thing for for podcast hosts. I agree. There was a long time where companies said, "You just can't track it. You don't know who's coming to your site. You don't know if it came from the podcast." And that used to be kind of like the biggest roadblock to podcast advertising. And I think you're right; it's changed. And now they're kind of like, "I don't really care. I'm getting a huge spike of traffic to my site or a huge spike of sales." And so, just because I don't know exactly where they came from, I know a lot of it's from the podcast ad. Yeah. Uh, obviously, some 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 challenges that the the tech is still working through, and I don't know, you know, Aaron. We talked about you know a big dip in our numbers since um, you know over the last several months. What we haven't really brought up is <laughs> uh, Apple's you know kind of big fungo. Are you up on on what you know is going on with their? You know, I guess more of a fiasco. Um, with what happened with the, the auto download thing? I like maybe know about it, but you're going to have to, yeah. You, you well, basically the, in short, uh, the auto download that's supposed to happen on the podcast app just wasn't happening. It just wasn't firing like it was supposed to. So everybody who was subscribed and should have been getting a download, it just wasn't happening for a significant number of podcasts and it just wasn't pulling in, you know, there were just shows that weren't getting their episodes pulled in into the app. Um, or we're having to wait, you know, days to, to get it. And so the 
we obviously haven't talked about that being, you know, one of the reasons why our shows have kind of dipped. It's been a, a global dip at a, at a systemic level. And the reason that I brought it up or that I thought it would be relevant is a lot of podcasters lost money because their advertising was based on a, on a CPM. And we do things a little bit differently. So ours is not necessarily based on a CPM um, per se, but the challenge is, is that, you know, when things are so vague and, and or maybe technical in that regard, um, you're kind of at the at the whims of, of the technology. So yeah. what are your thoughts on on that situation and, and kind of what, you know, what the implications may be there? Yeah, I wasn't fully aware that it was that widespread. I'd heard that there was some Apple downloading issues. Um, I didn't think about the fact of that would lose money. I have, for the last probably five years, made the intentional decision to not operate on a CPM basis for really anything. Actually, that's wrong. If I'm selling an email, I base it on a CPM because I, you know, you can send a certain number of emails, but not on opens. But the reason is, is because it's so, it's just so like it feels like you can almost like fabricate it, like. Um, you can you can just kind of run the podcast over and over until you get that CPM auto downloaded, or you can do all sorts of different things, especially like on the internet with spreading social and all of that to get those numbers. And I really just want to make sure that we're providing a really good value to our clients. And so that's why we don't do that. So we kind of do it by the episode and we have a set feed regardless of CPM. So someone can get a million downloads on that episode or they can get 20. And the big thing is, is like, we know that we're producing good content. We know that it's going to do well because we're not going to just throw up an ad on an episode that's not good. And we've kind of gained our clients' trust. And so I think that um, that sort of pricing can be a little bit more steady for a media brand. And I also think it can kind of create a partnership to where you're kind of like looking out for each other and you're not nitpicking numbers. I don't know. Nitpicking numbers always feel so overwhelming to me. Well, Let's also talk about, you know, the the shows that we're talking about and working with have been around for, they're not newer shows. I mean, Correct. Perpetual Traffic has been around um, for like six, seven, years, seven, six, years, seven yeah. years, something like that. Digital Marketer, you know, right behind it. And even Business Lunch has been around for three, three or four years now, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're all over four years old, I'm pretty sure. So, Yes. So I think that that's a, a big part of it is just establishing a track record, right? Is that, yeah. you know, we, we know that there is going to be, you know, there's been this amount of downloads for this amount of years. And so you kind of know what, what to expect. And, and I think that's an important part of, of podcasting is, is building in that consistency or getting to a place where you can, you can prove some consistency um, for sure. Yeah. And I do base my numbers. Like when I do pricing, I base it on what, like an estimated average CPM. Um, I just don't adjust the pricing for that. And that benefits the client as well, because there's many times that they get way more downloads than they would have gotten had they been paying for a CPM. So, yeah. Sure, sure. How long have we been talking? Um, we tend like to chat, we, like, <clears throat> oh, we're almost at the 30-minute mark. This is great. We <laughs> we can, uh, if you've been on Aaron and I's Zooms, we have to, I know, I find we have to rein it in sometimes. Um <laughs> But this has been a fantastic conversation and really, really fun and, and insightful. I'd love for you to share as much as you'd like or, or can about, um, you know, Scalable's media network. I don't, I know we're super early in the stages. I don't know how much you want to give on that, but you've already kind of spilled the beans a little bit already. Mm -hmm. So you have to spill a little bit more. 
or uh, tell people what when to wait or, or whatever it is. But I know all of our, our audience are, are podcasters, and I know that there are a lot of hosts who are looking for um, ways to you know collaborate and partner. So um, why don't you just talk about what, what, do, you, what do you think is, is worth ending on or, or sending people okay. to? Or maybe we can just share the, the, the shows. Maybe you can just share the, the shows and, and, and tell people to go and, and get connected with the different shows in the network. <laughs> No, I'm I'm actually good with talking about the scalable media network because while we're still ironing it ironing it out, I also um, am interested in other podcasters with feedback. So I actually, hopefully, you can put in the show notes my email address. I would love to hear from a podcaster or two who would be interested in something like this because as I develop it, like I said, we want our partners to be like our partners and both people to gain a lot from it. And so I would love thoughts and ideas. But the initial idea is essentially that we would partner with different podcasts and it'd be um, kind of like a zero money exchanged policy in that like the podcaster wouldn't pay us. And um, we would cut a check to the podcaster for um, an amount of the ad sell, a percentage of it. And I don't have that percentage yet. And um, we would also, if they were interested, we could work with our production company to help them with some production and editing just to make things easier. Um, but the idea is just that our sales reps, they have a lot of people who are interested in purchasing podcast ads and they don't have ad slots to sell them. And I know there are a lot of podcasters who do not know the businesses that would be interested. And so hopefully it could be a win-win for everyone. Um, so yeah, um, I will give my email address out and I would love to hear if anyone's just interested in talking about it just because I'd love to pick your brain and you could give me any ideas you have. And um, likewise, just, yeah, our podcast, we have Business Lunch and Perpetual Traffic, which are both um, bigger podcasts. They get about mm, 80 to 100,000 downloads per episode. And both of those are really about like business and scaling and growth. And then we have the Digital Marketer Podcast, which is a little bit smaller and it's kind of about digital marketing. Surprise, surprise. And we have Ready to Lead, which is just launching in the near future. And it's about um, leadership. It's for new and emerging leaders. So people who are kind of thinking about getting into a leadership role. And it has some really great content already, which I'm really excited about. So love for anyone on here to listen to our podcast. But also, I would really love to hear. Flood my inbox. I'm not very good at um, looking at my email, but I will. Because I would love to hear thoughts on this as we develop it. Yeah, the digital marketer podcast is great for those who are, are getting into the space, and if you're if you're really looking to scale or grow, and and you're nerdy like me, you might enjoy the perpetual traffic part of it. Or if you are, uh, you know, a more seasoned business owner, uh, business lunch is is a great uh, podcast for those who are into investing and um, acquiring businesses and kind of like what that next step is, you know, after you've had a successful business, and so really. Uh, a great, what I really like about the network that's coming together is um, someone for all stages of the journey. Yeah. And the other thing is, is business lunch. We have both Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart coming up, which I feel like is quite the juxtaposition, but also I'm just excited. I think they're going to be such cool interviews. That should be fun. Yeah. We have some big, <laughs> big guests coming up. So go, go subscribe. Um, you can find them on, on all the plat podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Acast, overcast all those things all the casts and uh make sure you subscribe and follow here and then uh, in the show notes you can check the podcast for her email and thank you so much for sticking with us and being a part of the marketing podcast show we'll see you on the next one guys
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Your Podcast Show. If you enjoyed this interview, we'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other episodes with some fantastic guests. If you have any questions, we encourage you to go and find me on LinkedIn. And if you want more podcast resources, go to www.amplifymedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y media.com for more podcast marketing resources. We hope you're having an amazing day and we can't wait to host you on the next episode of the Marketing Your Podcast Show.